Understood is a resource I have recommended for many years to parents looking for support with learning and thinking differences such as ADHD, dyslexia, and more. And I'm subsequently excited to tell you about their podcast, Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. They cover topics such as how to tell if your child needs an IEP, common myths about special education, and the difference between IEPs and 504 plans. I love how Understood Explains breaks down the overwhelm by unpacking an important topic each season and then drilling down further into key basics in each episode. Most episodes are between 10 to 15 minutes, and episodes are available in both English and Spanish. So fantastic, right? To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, your host, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you will come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Hello, friends. I am so delighted to share this episode today. It was inspired by something I started doing at the end of last year on December 28th. Kind of a strange time to start things, I think. (laughs) But I had some quiet space and I had been doing a lot of thinking about writing. And so I wanted to share this writing practice that I've been doing because I've been getting a ton of questions about them. But I wanted you to think about this in the context of any kind of self-directed practice that one might decide to do. And I'm going to share tips that really lend to that kind of generalized thinking, but we'll share specific examples of how I'm making it happen because that's what I'm getting a lot of questions about. So just to give you a little backstory. I was having dinner one night back when I was able to have dinner (laughs) out, and I was with my friend Casey Brown, and they told me about Stephen King's book on writing and basically bossed me into going to get it and read it. And I read it and was blown away. Normally, I don't actually read a lot of nonfiction, but Casey is one of those people that can boss me around, and I'll do what they say. I was moved by this book because of the way it started in sharing how King shares how much he admires another memoir writer who has a very complete landscape type memory. And he shares that he does not, that his memories are very fragmented. And I really felt like, oh my gosh, that's me. (laughs) I have all these things I would like to write down, but I realized I had been sort of not wanting to do it or feeling daunted by it because I do feel like in general, my memories are very, very fragmented. I think that's just partly the way my brain is. I think it's partly related to trauma. It's related to a lot of things. So that's why I started my writing practice at the end of 2021. As I've been sharing about this, I've been getting a lot of questions. I've just been sharing about what I've been doing on Instagram stories 
on my Dr. Christine Co account. And at some point, kind of early on in the practice, I was like, maybe I'll see if people want me to talk more about this. And I did put out a poll and 95% of people said they wanted to hear more. So here I am. (laughs) And just as a little bit of more framing context before I dive into the recommendations, I will say that I have had a lot of questions about whether what I'm doing is Julia Cameron's morning pages. The answer is no. You may wish to do something structured with guidance, but I'm going to share what it has looked like to set up something on my own. This has really just been very organic, but as I thought more about it and answered people's questions on social media, I realized that there has been structure. I mean, I am who I am. There has been some structure. I also wanted to share that Casey Brown, who I mentioned at the top of this description is going to join me for an Instagram live next week when there's no regular edit your life episode, which is the case because of a buffer window I built in for February vacation. But Casey has a kind of radical approach to their writing process that I want to share more about. And they refer to themselves as a maniac, which I love. (laughs) Anyway, I will share more about when that's happening later. Are you, like pretty much every parent of younger kids I know, looking for a smart entertainment option for your kids? Designed for kids ages six and up, Mysteries About True Histories, also known as Math, How Smart Is That?, is a weekly podcast full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and humor. And while kids will enjoy the stories anchored around characters like troublesome trolls, pirate queens, and mysterious aunts, adults can benefit too. I admittedly delighted in learning a thing or two about Pythagoras and triangles in one episode. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code-breaking, pattern-solving, and more, all weaving humor in with education to make learning fun. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a great length for transition times during the day or a bedtime treat. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy The Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of The Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. So let's dive into my recommendations for how to create a self-directed practice. My very first recommendation is something that I talked about in episode 254, the very first episode of this year on sustainable habits and joyful goals. And that is to create your practice around something joyful. 
we all have enough hard things to do. <laughs> and for me personally, I was thinking, okay, if I want to commit myself to something in a regular way, I want it to be joyful. For a lot of 2021, I was writing on the clock for major media. That was great. It was joyful in a very different way. But as I was thinking about this writing practice, I just felt like I needed something for me. And King's book really gave me that spark. Thank you, Stephen King. Second, I think it's important to think about what accountability might look like. And that's going to be different for who you are, how you like to share. If you like to share, it's okay if you don't. For me, accountability looks like a spreadsheet, (laughs) not surprisingly, because I wanted to keep track of my word count. And then also I found myself sharing on Instagram stories that, that just every morning after I do my writing or not, importantly, I might add, I'll share more about that in a second. I just share what the writing count was and briefly how it went and sometimes a little more detail. But you could choose to do it in a completely different way, and that is perfectly fine. The accountability also might look like, for example, just texting with a friend, or there's so many ways it could shake out. It really depends on what makes sense to you and what feels really nourishing. My third recommendation is to identify what seems doable to you. So when I was reading Stephen King's book, He was talking about getting into a writing practice where you write 2,000 words a day. That is his full-time job. (laughs) I will say I do like specific recommendations sometimes. So I did try writing 2,000 words on a weekend, and I was like, oh my goodness, I I cannot. This is a lot of words. Whereas somehow 1,000, even though that's just half of 2,000, it felt really doable. I type very fast, I should note. So I decided to identify. 1,000 words a day, but I want to underscore that that is an average. So some days I write more, some days I write less. There have actually been some days where I could not write at all for various reasons. And that has also been important for me to share because sometimes life just happens. There, There were a few days, for example, in January where I knew I wouldn't be able to write because I was away on the one weekend away that I had planned for all of the first quarter of this year. So I was going to focus on skiing, not writing. And then I've had a couple other days where just things got in the way. Chaos, life, it happens. So anyway, that's why my spreadsheet, my accountability spreadsheet is really helpful because every day I plug in the number of words that I have written or not written. And then I have it calculate what my running total is and what my average is. So those things are very helpful. Okay, number four, I think a really important part of this process as you set it up, especially is to figure out what things propel you to success, what things propel you to failure, where you get stuck, basically what any of those triggers are. I also talked about this in the first episode of this year, but I know that for me personally, I do not respond well to a hard and fast rule about doing something daily. As in, if you don't do it every single day, you're a failure. I just it's just not the way my life works. I can't deal with rules like that. <laughs> I still want to have be committed to something and I want to finish it, but I just can't do hard and fast daily rules. Whereas some people feel very motivated and need that structure in order to do it, in which case go for it. So the parallel to this will be 
Many of you may know that I love doing yoga with Adrienne's practices, including her 30-day January challenge. I committed to it again this year, knowing that I would not finish it 30 days in a row. I just committed to finishing it. And I finished it, I think, the first at the end of the first week of February. Great. So anyway, that's just a smaller scale example of a challenge like that where it's daily, but not always sequentially daily. And it's still a great success just to finish it. So that was my first thing that I established is I wanted to be an average of a thousand words a day. I wanted to write daily, but I just wanted to get to my end metric. So that was the first thing, realizing that I wasn't going to do the days sequentially. I was going to commit to a daily writing practice, but I just wanted to allow for buffers because life happens. The second thing I set myself up for is I told myself, no editing, brain dump only. (laughs) And actually, I knew this from writing Minimalist Parenting with Asha that just starting my writing as a big brain dump and not editing myself along the way is the best and most joyful and most freeing way for me to write and to process and to think, especially because I am a meticulous editor professionally. (laughs) So it's really important for me to not edit when I'm just in the creating side of things. So that was very, very important. I have not gone back and edited anything. I won't even do that until I get to the very end of the brain dump. And then third, and I've alluded to this a couple of times, Part of knowing the success, failure, get stuck triggers around this process is to remember that it is, in fact, a process. I mentioned that some days I can't get to the writing. That happens. It hasn't been a lot of days, but it happens. And then some days will be great and the ideas are going to flow. And then the other days, they're just not. And that's okay. Uh, Just today, actually, my writing was not great. (laughs) It just didn't flow. It didn't have that coherent spin as I was going. Whereas yesterday, I just wrote and wrote and the story was moving and I had tears in my eyes by the end and it was great. That's not going to be like that every day. And that's okay. And that's part of the process. And that's part of why we do things. All right. I have more thoughts to share on structuring your own self-directed practice. And I'm going to take a quick break and then be right back. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) 
Well, you're aiming more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, Mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell, Laughing in the Face of Motherhood, wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, friends, I'm back. I'm talking about creating a self-directed practice. I'm giving my recommendations in a general context that I hope will be helpful as you think about how you want to structure any kind of self-directed practice. And I'm setting it in the context of the very real example of what I'm working on right now, which is my own little personal writing journey. So my next few recommendations are going to be a little bit more mechanical and practical in nature. My fifth recommendation of this episode is to choose optimal parameters. Actually, it occurs to me that in minimalist parenting, Asha and I talk about something called golden hours, which are like identifying your most productive times or your most creative times. It's kind of similar here in that I want to recommend that whatever your practice is, especially if you need a little more time, like for me, I need maybe a half hour or 45 minutes to do my writing time, figure out when you are best set up for success to get it done. So for me, that's first thing in the morning. That is when I'm creative. That is when I'm less critical (laughs) myself. And I usually do it around 7 a.m. This is before I start work for the day for my clients and other things. It's actually after I've already helped get the kids ready for the day, for the part of the day that I do that in the morning, and then John helps get them out the door. So that is really the best time. I have on the weekends and rarely on weekdays done it at other times of day, and it's been fine, but really that's not optimal for me. First thing in the morning is really the best time. Number six is to think about what your target is. And I there are two sides of that for me. I had actually have had a lot of questions, people asking me what I'm writing, like what I'm writing about, how did I figure out what to write about. In my dream life, I would love to write a novel, but I just don't feel like I have that creative, I don't have that idea (laughs) spark. What captivated me in King's book, as I mentioned, was this conversation about fragmented memories. And I decided I wanted to try to start writing down essays from my life and experience, particularly how my childhood has formed who I am now. I have a lot of thoughts about all that. Anytime I share personal essays like this in my newsletter, people seem to be very moved. They reach out and they write to me and share something with me. And that's what I'm expert on. (laughs) I'm expert on my own experience. And let's be honest, I'm not the person who's going to do research and write a historical novel. I just, (laughs) I'm not going to do that. So writing about these personal experiences has really felt like the perfect confluence for this project. It's meaningful to me. It spins easily. It's helping me reflect and learn. So those are all the good things about that being the contextual target for this project. 
And then as for an end goal, the point was to not have an end goal. Like I didn't think, okay, I'm going to write this big thing and then I'm going to pitch it and I have a plan and I have a schedule. There's none of that. I did decide on a somewhat arbitrary target of getting to 75 or 80,000 words and then evaluating where I'm at and seeing what I thought of it at the end. As of today's recording, I'm on day 46. I've written a total of 48,715 words that has averaged to 1,059 words a day. If I click over and look at my spreadsheet, (laughs) if I leave my goal intact at 75,000 words, I'm about 65% of the way there. If I leave my goal intact at 80,000 words, I'm 61% of the way there. I did set up my spreadsheet. I love spreadsheets. I mean, look at how informative they are. (laughs) I did set it up for a total of 80 days, just 80 days total. And that lands me the day before Violet's birthday. So we'll see where I am next month. I'm just kind of letting it flow and seeing what happens, which is really quite amazing. But I will say I'm at nearly 49,000 words and there have been no shortage of ideas about things to write about, which has been pretty rad. Okay, let's quickly talk about mechanics. The two things that I use for this, as I've talked about, I have this Excel sheet that I use in Google. I'm writing everything in a Google Doc. I love the idea of journaling by hand, but one, my handwriting is not that great. (laughs) And two, I can't write manually as fast as I type. And my ideas do tend to jump around and come very quickly. So typing it has been absolutely the way I've needed to do it. I will say that I do download a backup of the Google Doc after each writing session in case the internet dies. (laughs) So that's just the quick mechanics. And then I thought I would just close and share what this process has looked like because someone asked me, what do you feel like it does for you? Which I think is a really fascinating question. (laughs) And I have a few thoughts. The first is, This has just been something for me. This is, it is occurring to me now seeing typed in print that I've written almost 49,000 words. Nobody else has seen these words. That's very unusual. It's very unusual for me to produce this much, much content and have no one else see it. So that's been kind of awesome. It's just been a very unique way to experience something. So much of what I do, everything else that I do is in service of clients or other projects and other people. And I love that so much. And I love having this thing right now that is just for me. It's amazing. The second thing that has been quite remarkable about this process is that it has helped me see that I actually have some very strong memories, and that there are all of these incredible connective threads between my past and present. And so I think it's important to say that I've always given myself a hard time about my memory. I feel like it's very bad. I know that part of it, as I mentioned earlier, part of it might be how my brain works, part of it's trauma, who knows. But even things that People tell me now, like I I need to write things down. I will say in a work context, when I'm on a new work call with a client, I take copious notes, verbatim notes, really. 
because I have realized that there is something about my brain. I will be fully engaged in a conversation, but I will then look at those notes the next day and I will have not remembered a bunch of that stuff even being said, which is a little freaky, but (laughs) that's just how my brain works. So Anyway, I've always given myself a hard time about my memory. Some of my siblings have incredible memories, like detailed memories, and they'll tell me about things and I'll be like, was I even there? So this has been a really wonderful exercise to show me that there is a lot in there. And some of those memories are incredibly vivid and it's been incredible to write them down. And then the third thing I wanted to convey that has been really fascinating to answer that question of what do you feel like it does for you is that I've found that I have a very garden path approach to writing. As I'm writing an essay, it'll start with, I'll just have an idea for something to write about. Like, I I don't even know what example to give you because I'm not sharing it because right now it's all for me. But anyway, I'll have an idea. I'll write the essay and the closing sentence of the current essay naturally sparks the next essay. And so then I'll jot down a few words to remind me the next day what that thing was. Because literally, actually, the one thing I will share is that at one point I wrote in my document in big letters, Carlos, the name Carlos. And that was supposed to remind me about a story I wanted to tell. I don't even remember what that was about. It took me weeks. I finally deleted it because clearly whoever this Carlos was is not strong enough in my memory to trigger why I wrote that in the first place, but I found it very funny. Anyway, it's been very cool to see how the threads all connect and this garden path approach that I've taken to writing has been really, really cool. So those are my thoughts. I hope that they really get you thinking about whether it's writing or something else completely different. We all have our things. I hope it inspires you to think about doing something just for you. And that leads me to my your next edit. I would like you to think about just taking the first step to think, what is that thing that I want a touch point with regularly? Because for a self-directed practice of any kind of work, you need to care about it. You need to want to do it. You need to not (laughs) self-flagellate around it. Or I think it's really important to make it joyful and not a source of self-criticism because we have enough of that in the world. So just start thinking. It might be something that comes to you unexpectedly. At the end of last year, I was not thinking about a writing practice. It really, I kind of stumbled on it when, thanks to this conversation with Casey and then reading Stephen King's book. But that was not in the game plan at all last year. I share that to encourage you to think about opening your mind to possibility because, I don't know, that's where the good stuff happens. Okay, you'll find the show notes for this episode, my friends, including links to resources and any related episodes I might drop at edityourlifeshow.com. As ever, I would love to hear your thoughts and questions. Come say hello on Instagram or Facebook at edityourlifeshow or send an email to edityourlifeshow at gmail.com. I would also be incredibly grateful if you would drop Edit Your Life a review on Apple Podcasts or tell a pod-loving friend about the show. Thanks for listening. 
When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.